Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. We're all fired up because Jeremy Rutherford has decided to join us in studio yes. for the JR wow. Report. Good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. You know, I thought this was going to be easy, just drive up to the studio, but uh, 270 right now for anybody who's sitting in it is an absolute parking lot. And Randy, the one time during the fight that I needed you to say, well, in 1961, no, 62, no, <laughs> I'm sitting there waiting for you to do that, but you had the answers right away. And I could have gone through every school in America and not come to Weber State <laughs> until I got to like number 300. Mm. It could have been a WNBA question. Oh. Yeah, I don't do WNBA. Well, you listen a lot <laughs> every day. Long time listener. He's, he's a lawyer. He's a first what time we, what we call studio joiner. Yeah. That's right. So yesterday, forty minutes is the amount of time that Doug Armstrong spoke to the media. And by the way, it was about twenty, a little over twenty, right for Craig Berube. Yeah. So a lot of information. What was your biggest takeaway from what you heard yesterday? Well, a number of things, but uh, the one thing that you guys talked about earlier and had some good sound bites from Army on was. Retool, rebuild, stick with the same program. What is it? And I was just interested to hear Doug Armstrong say that, uh, you know, they're not going to give up this fight. They feel like they're still a contending team. However, he did say, I'm going to go to ownership. And if they think that a rebuild is something they want to look at, then, you know, we'll, we'll have to talk about it. I don't think they're going that way. I think Doug Armstrong made it clear that he's going to tell them that his feelings are they don't go that way. But just the fact that he brought it up, I thought, was probably the biggest takeaway yesterday. Yeah, that surprised me, too. But when Doug Armstrong pulls out that list of needs for this team, what do you think is at the top? Yeah, I think it's a number of things. First of all, I think that they feel like they have the core still. And I think they do. I think there's some good players in this core and they have to win now that's the biggest thing because these guys who they have signed for six seven years you know they're going to be 33 34 still with a couple years left on those deals so they need to win now i think that's another factor in in sticking with the program Uh, but in terms of what do they need on the ice i think you have to have guys willing to go to the net and that's on both ends of the ice it's the net front offensively too much perimeter uh, you're not going to score goals that way. You look at this Colorado series, you know, who's standing in front? Landeskog. And the Blues are doing nothing about it. So that transitions me into the other need is somebody defensively who's willing to do that. Look, I get the NHL today is skilled, speed, even defensively. Look at the Cal McCars of the world. Would you love to have a guy like that? They, they get the puck out of the zone. You know, if you got a Tory Krug and a Colton Preco that can get the puck out of the zone, great. But if they're not doing that, you get hemmed in. Now you have other teams with their net front presence. You got to get them out of the way. The Blues don't have that on either end. So you got a five-year window. Is it fair to evaluate 
the middle of this window when COVID hits and you had to go into a bubble because we we're talking, I'm sure you're listening, you know, prior to COVID hitting, they looked like a championship team. I mean, they were, they were rolling and they were a number one seed. And then all of a sudden COVID hits and then this wacky schedule this year. And all of a sudden the other thing too, that I was going to ask you about, so that's number one, but number two would be how um, the parameters of what you can pay people has changed too, because of the cap. So does that change what you do with your, five-year window yeah and since i do listen every second of the day i did hear how you put it earlier today and well said like i really do think that team that was number two in the nhl standings going into the pause i was there in anaheim they were playing great you know that 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 team at that point in time i think they would have had a pretty good shot at winning another cup if not winning the cup at least finishing final four and then who knows what happens there you, you build off that you know covid's affected a lot of people and we shouldn't put sports at the top of that list, you know, other people's lives. However, this changed the destiny of the Blues. I really do think it did. Now, the thing is, it changed it for everybody, and you just have to react. And now that's what Doug Armstrong and the organization are going to have to do. When I look back at this season, as Dan mentioned, so many obstacles, but I tend to wonder what this team would have looked like at full strength if you didn't have to constantly deal with wave after wave of injuries. If Colton Pareko was healthy the entire season, what would he have looked like? What would this defense have looked like? And I think that that makes this evaluation a little bit more difficult for Army in the immediacy of trying to decide what you're going to do moving forward. Yeah, I think it's a great question, and I think that's definitely what they're facing. Are you guys counting good questions? Yes, we are. (laughs) (laughs) I think that... uh, I think that that's what they're facing. I, I really do. And, and, you know, it goes beyond just the, the health. It goes it goes to the level of Tory Krug bringing his family with his wife and his daughter, Sailor, out to an event, and they get to meet the other families. And, you know, the guys going out to the bars, and, you know, Dan can attest to this with uh, the baseball guys when they get together on the road. And I, I just think if that's there, there's just this next level of team camaraderie. And, and I know that's the case with all teams, you know, hockey, baseball, football. But as Doug Armstrong said yesterday, and you guys heard on the sound bites, he said that we're a team. We don't we don't have these superstars. We have to build our success on guys coming together and wanting to play for each other. And it's hard to do that when you don't have that camaraderie. Then you throw in the fact what you just mentioned, the injuries, and you know it, it separates them even further. Jr. There are some guys that are going to be here. Vladimir Tarasenko is going to be here. Marco Scandella is going to be here. There are, there are guys that I don't think are necessarily movable on the part of the Blues. But I also don't think that they need to make big moves. Because to me, if you have, you, you get Sunquist back. And I, Army talked yesterday, and so did Barubi, about how you can do anything with him. If you have a line of Shen, Tarasenko, you bring Schwartz back. And you've talked about bringing him back at a lesser cost. You, you need Thomas to ascend. He, Thomas is one guy who can go to the net. He's not a little fella. And he's one guy that you need to have do that. But if you have Thomas, Costin, Kairou, and then you have obviously O'Reilly, Perron, and I think you could put a guy like uh, Oscar Sundquist with them, I think you need a fourth-line guy with the skill set that Alexander Steen had. And like you said, you need somebody who's capable of taking out a forward that's standing in the crease. I don't think that this is even close to an overhaul. I think this is much closer to tweaks. And if you could get a top six power forward, that'd be great. But I don't know that the Blues, 
financially, unless they're moving on from Schwartz and can find somebody, I don't know that they're going to be able to do that. Should I tell them good question? No, 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 no. That's no. okay, Okay, Jared. that was uh, an okay <laughs> question there, Randy. No, I think, Randy, that uh, you're dead right. And you've been talking about the fourth line and needing, you know, I heard you ask uh, Doug Armstrong about it yesterday, needing something from that fourth line. And you're absolutely right. That's what made the difference with that team a couple years ago, 2019. I just think that sometimes it's hard to come by – uh, that type of line where you can afford to put a Sunquist on the fourth line, where you can get a Steen to accept a role on a fourth yep. line. So it doesn't happen often, but I do think the parts are there with the Blues that if everybody's healthy and everybody's playing well, you know, you can have a Sunquist on the fourth line. You can have a Barbashev down there. You know, if Sammy Blaze clicking, you can play him on the right line, on the right side on that fourth line. I like what you said about the Blues lineup, and I do think that can be a formidable team. I just think that you need those young guys that you touched on. Thomas and Kyrou have to produce. And Costin, too. Costin as well. All three of those guys. And the fact of the matter is the Blues have not had an awful lot of success with their youngsters. When you look at how much they loved Zach Sanford when they got him, when you look at uh, the Tage Thompsons of the world, Dominic Bach hasn't done anything yet. We don't know if he will. They really have not developed a, a guy that's turned out to be a young star. And, and Randy, it's going to be even tougher without the development year for these younger prospects coming in the next couple of years. Yeah. So who do you think they'll lose in the expansion draft? I know you've done this multiple times for The Athletic, and you always read JR's great work at The Athletic. If you were to pick today, who do you think that Seattle would take? Yeah, it, it varies. I think I've done like 16 takes on this uh, over the past three years. Uh, but I, I think you look at a guy like Ivan Barbashev. He's a guy that's going to get left unprotected, and I think when healthy, he can go into a team and and contribute. You know, Vince Dunn's going to be left unprotected, but, you know, what do teams think about him around the league? He's still a good young 23-year-old puck-moving defenseman, but missed the last 14 games with a concussion, and and you're going to have to eventually pay him at some point. So um, those are two names that come to mind. I'm, I'm protecting Barbashev. Barbashev? Yeah. yeah. Who are you leaving off then? 91. Well, yeah, that's possible. You know uh, something that, uh, you know, I put two and two together uh, just yesterday was the fact that, you know who the GM of the Seattle team is, Ron Francis, right? Mm -hmm. So Tarasenko's agent was Mike Liute. Mike Liute and Ron Francis are really good friends. And so Tarasenko just left Mike Liute, and so Mike mm -hmm. Liute probably knows all about Vladimir Tarasenko. You think he might call his buddy Ron Francis Ooh, and interesting. say this yeah. is a guy that you might not uh, you know, want to pick up. So I don't know, just food for thought there. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Can you stick around for a little yeah, bit? Yeah, for sure. JR is with us. He's taken the time to be in studio with us. So more with JR about the Blues next on 101 ESPN. The only sports source in St. Louis that matters. WXOS, WXOS, HD1, East St. Louis, 101 ESPN. Wake up and talk sports. A lot of sports. This is Carriker and Smallman, live from the Car Shield studio on 101 ESPN. Opinions do matter. Time for today's big thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by SSM Health Express Clinic at Walgreens. Visit SSMHealth.com for more information. Our friend Jeremy Rutherford, kind enough to stick around for another segment talking blues hockey here on 101 ESPN, your home of the blues. It's 9.05. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. JR, one other thing I wanted to touch on with you is, does Craig Berube need to change, and if so, how to get this team back to where they want to be? 
I thought there was some honesty on both sides from Craig Bruby and Doug Armstrong yesterday when uh, I asked about that. You know, there's so much talk about the players that Doug brings in, do they match up with what Craig Bruby wants to do? I do believe that there's a misconception about Craig Bruby. There's kind of this Tony La Russa, Ken Hitchcock, just likes the old players, you know, with, with hockey. It's the 200-foot grinded-out game. Look, that's, that's what he grew up with, but he's willing to adapt, I believe. There were plenty of times this season where he talked about the emergence of J- Jordan Cairo and, and how the rush players, you know, let's get the offense moving, up-tempo. But he also needs them to play the style of game that the Blues play in terms of being responsible, being a team. And when they don't do that, then there's room for criticism. So the, the thing that Doug Armstrong said yesterday that stuck out to me was that, you know, we can't – we can't have a situation where I'm bringing in these players and we're trying to put, you know, a square player into the round, you know, hole there in the peg. And, and he said that, so I'm going to have to have conversations with Craig Berube about what we're trying to do here. So I do think there is a situation that they need to be on the same page. And I don't think they're quite there yet. But as he said, they're going to talk about it. And I guess the most notable aspect of this would be the Mike Hoffman signing, right? Because Definitely. Hoffman just doesn't f- appear to me to fit what Craig Berube wants. Definitely. And and yesterday, Doug Armstrong said, I bring in a player and I envision him with other players, with certain players, and it doesn't work out. And so now Craig Berube has to find a place for this guy. And we all know that it, it didn't work out with Mike Hoffman in terms of five on five. And then I think because Craig Bruby really trusts these guys that he won a cup with, he wasn't willing to pull them off the power play. He kept Mike Hoffman on that number two unit. took forever to get him to that top unit. Is Matthew Kachuk a Craig Berube type player? <laughs> I think that's the epitome of a <laughs> Craig Berube player, right? Well, a lot of a yeah. lot of people out there dreaming of him wearing the note. Do, how realistic is that? Well, you know, he's got, I think, one year left on his deal. Calgary loves him. It's the type of player where, you know, everybody hates him unless he's on your team. And, gosh, I mean, he didn't he take off his hockey sweater and he had a Yachty jersey on in the All-Star game? Yes, he did. I mean, I think you could put his uh, number up in the rafters the minute he signs (laughs) and gets traded to the Blues. Uh, They'd love to have him. I mean, I think you'd have to give up an arm and a leg to get him. From Calgary, uh, I think that... Uh, Not allowed to go there anymore. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe when his contract's up, he's a restricted free agent. He could certainly uh, give St. Louis a look, but it just seems like a long shot at this point. We're going to have full capacity next year, are we not? I would think so, yeah. And what do you think of the great one going to TV? How about that? That's great. You think it's good? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, uh, you know... I was Does talking he bring to... in interest of this, the casual fan, do you think? If, if you know that Wayne Gretzky's on the game, do you think people watch... You know, do you put down, you know, the uh, the lawnmower and run inside to listen to him? I don't know, but I think if you enjoy hockey and you're in the, you know, got the TV on, you're going to flip it on and listen to him. To me, look, I, I think that some of these fourth-line players, third-pair defensemen or Dan in baseball, maybe that utility guy, I think they make good, you know, commentators. You've yeah, had a number of great interviews the past couple weeks, uh, that, you know, with guys who fit that description who, who just have a lot of insight. But, but I do think... You know, Gretzky transcends the game. And, He's the Babe Ruth of the sport. Yeah, and look at that TNT basketball show with Shaq and, and those guys. But it that's is, the thing. He, to me, is not the guy that's going to be... Controversial. Yeah, he's not Charles Barkley <laughs> yeah. here. And that's okay. Maybe he gets that way, though. Huh? How, oh, wouldn't that be, be something? Amazing. I would love that. <laughs> and does TNT take a shot at Hully? Hully's done it before, and I don't think that he played with the national audience on normal network TV. But if you're trying to have a Charles Barkley... Who better than Brett Hull? Bronick was the guy that was there, kind of. Yeah. 
with NBC. He, right. But he's not as outlandish as Hully is. I would agree. Hey, they're putting together a, a great cast, and, and not to flame the speculation, but there was some noise on Twitter that Darren Pang might be doing some stuff for mm-hmm. for TNT. Uh, I would think that he'd maintain his blues responsibilities, so don't get uh, scared there if you're a big Darren Pang fan. But also, uh, they're talking to some other people uh, to come to TNT, so I think they're going to have a lot of juice there. Any St. Louis ties? I don't know if oh. I can tell you that. <laughs> oh. We All were right. thinking that maybe J.D., but J.D. got right back into the hockey Yeah, game. he jumped right into that uh, Columbus scene again. Good for him. Yeah, So and he'll do well again. He's yeah. just he, he's the best at turning around a franchise yep. right now. So he's good. So as the Blues traverse what hopefully will be a normal offseason and get ready for next season, what do you think the biggest thing for them is? Is it going to be free agency? Do you think there's trades? Do you think they're... They like some of the kids that they have, but like you said, they probably aren't going to be ready. In terms of making moves to be better next season, what's the offseason going to look like? I think it, first of all, we talked about earlier, it comes down to what are they going to do with Jaden Schwartz? Uh, you know, that's a good chunk of change, even though it might not take you to the cap, but you know, five and a half million, whatever it comes out to be. Um, and also, it takes up one of those spots on that left side. I think they need another left winger. Even if they bring back Jaden mm-hmm. Schwartz, I think they're lacking in that area. I think they need finishers. I mean, you can talk about Tarasenko. You like Braden Shen, but he goes 18 games without a goal uh, this season. So I think for that offense to be better, they're going to need to add something up front. And to me, that's going to come down somewhat to what they do with uh, Jaden Schwartz. Was Kostin strictly a right winger in Russia? He, you know, he's gone back and forth. So in the minor leagues, uh, I believe he played the left, and then they moved him to right. At one point in the minor leagues, they swapped Cairo and Costin. But I think if push comes to shove, they could play both sides. And by the way, I with Schwartz, I would bring him back, but I wouldn't bring him back for what he was making. With a flat cap and his production and his durability issues, I, I would offer him a contract and say, look, we're, we'll give you this until the day free agency starts, and we'll have to move on. But he'll know what his market value is. But I wouldn't go five point two again with him. Yeah, yeah. So five three five, and and I agree with you, uh, especially when you look at the lack of production. I wrote yesterday that uh, you know just the eight goals in the regular season, and he scored two goals twice. So that means he only scored in six of the forty games that he played yeah. this season, and not a point, not a point in the playoff series. So that's been a struggle. And the last thing is. Whenever he doesn't score, you say, ah, oh, but he's great defensively. Well, this year he wasn't as great defensively. I wonder if, uh, and <clears throat> tell me if I'm wrong, but could you give David Perron an extension that is similar to that of, let's say, Alexander Steen? You know, Perron is, what, 32? He's got, what, one year left on his deal? Yep. Could you give him an extension like that? Yeah, so David Perron, your friend, friend of the yes, show, right? Yes, friend of the show. Yeah, he turns 33 uh, tomorrow, I oh, believe. happy birthday, David. Yeah, and... Uh, he's he, getting better and better. Better and better. He wants to it's play. Amazing. Yeah, he's in great shape. Yeah, so that, that Steen contract, I believe, was in his early 30s, and it was a four-year deal that took him to about uh, 36. And that's my point. Yeah, a little bit of a different situation with David Perron in that he's already 33, and, you know, would you give him four or five more years? You know, I don't think so, and I don't... I'm just wondering, like, two or three. Two or but three, But same okay. AAV. I don't think he's going to cost you five and a half uh, like like Steen did. And, and I say that because I think he wants to be here. I think he's made a lot of money in his career. So I think if Doug Armstrong came to him and said, look, we can give you two, three years, but it's going to be four, four, five, somewhere in there, I think you get him cheaper. That seems like an easy move on both sides. And you 
you always appreciate David Perron. You understand what he brings to this team. He's leaving the team in points. But sometimes you don't realize how much a person is valued until they're not there. And I think we saw that in the first round of the playoffs when he wasn't there. It's absolutely amazing. Now you go back to not protecting him in the expansion draft uh, with Vegas. And I know they had some tough decisions there to make. They had to protect Ryan Reeves because they knew that Pittsburgh wanted him and they could make a trade shortly after that expansion draft. But to think that you didn't protect David Perron. But then he goes on to Vegas and plays better comes back to St. Louis, and this is, I've covered David Perron from the day he walked into the Scott Trade, now Enterprise Center. What year was that? Uh, I guess it would have been 2007. Seven. Wow. He was drafted I was doing the blues, year. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'd been here forever. And this is the Several best time to play. <laughs> this is the best hockey you've seen him play. How about Bennington? What did you think of his year? I thought that he was inconsistent. First of all, he had a pretty good start, carried the team through the first six or so games. Uh you, I think after that up and down, I think that whereas he was making a save to that he shouldn't have made earlier in his career, uh, he was letting one in that he shouldn't have. So that was different than what we had seen from Jordan Bennington. I think when he said we're coming and he made 50 saves that night, I think uh, he kind of regained his swagger a little bit. And I think uh, he made some pretty good saves and won some games down the stretch. And now people look at this 0-9 playoff record the past two years. Look, he wasn't great last year, and I'll be the first one to say that, but there were, there were a couple games in this Colorado series where they had no chance of even being in the game if Jordan Bennington didn't play the way he did. JR, thanks so much for stopping by. We appreciate it. Always good to see you. Have a great offseason, and we'll be talking to you anyway. Anytime. Thanks for letting me barge in. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.